1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. We had lovely worship. Thank the Lord. But we are, uh, even though we come to worship the Lord, we come to be fed as well, aren't we? So let's just pray that the Lord minister to us tonight. Hallelujah, Lord. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight, my God. And we do thank you, my Lord, that we're able to be here, my Lord Jesus. Come around your word, my God. And we do pray that the Holy Spirit, my God, to take your word, Lord, and put it into our hearts, my God. That, Lord, we take whatever we learn on board and to live it, my Lord Jesus. Lord, that people see through our conduct that we love you and believe in you, my God. But most of all, that your name may be glorified. Your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. I'm going to read through for being chapter 3. It says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of good conscience, because of conscience toward God, one endures grief and suffering wrongly. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer... If you, if, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For, this is, for, to, for to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For we are like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Wives likewise be submissive to your husbands, that even if some of you do not, do, do not, if some do not even obey, obey the word, late without word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good, and are not afraid with any terror. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honour to the wife as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, I've been going over Peter in my own studies, and this is where I'm at. He's dealt with, like, you get born again and you're saved. It's a certainty that you're born again. Then he says we've got to live a live holy, holy conduct life. Then he says we've got to be people of the word. Then he tells us we've got to live a sacrifice life to the Lord. That our life's not our own anymore. That our life is the Lord. We don't own ourselves. The Lord owns us. But now he's going to start talking about maturity. A Christian's maturity. This is what he's going to start talking about. That every Christian has got to be mature. Now it's different if you've been saved a week few months but if you've been saved years we should be more mature now in the body of Christ than what we was years ago because we grow 
You know, not your children grow up. If you've got children, your children grow up. They're not babies all the time. You don't baby them, do you? You bring them up and you bring them up to be mature. You don't bring your children up to be dinlos. You want them sensible. When they go out around people, you want them sensible, don't you? Because when my children go out, they represent me and their mum. If they act like sops, their mum, they're going to think what they say their mum and daddies. I say, oh, no, no, you go like this, son, when they go out. And when we go out before the Lord, when we say we're Christians, how we act is to Jesus what we show. That's how people perceive Jesus as. So if we're acting, if we're going out and not acting in the life which God requires, what will people think? They think, well, I can live as I want and go to church. Well, that's not so because God's given us the blueprint in his word how to live. And now he's going to talk about submission. There's two bits here. One about submission at work and in the marriage. But submission, it means, it means basically this. It means a soldier obeying the general. That's what submission means. So everyone else, put it this way, everyone else is the general and you're the soldier. That's what submission is. Because when we get saved, when that we're at the bottom of the pole, everyone else is before us when we get saved. And what Peter does, and we're going to find out in a minute, what Peter does is this, all through this letter, he says things because who likes to submit to someone else? No one does, do they? If you're getting around, how dare they talk to me like that? Who do they think they are? You ever said it? I've said it. I've said it racing. Right? Who do they think they are? But this is what Peter does. He goes, well, Jesus was submissive. And then what happens is you go, oh, mate, all right, I've got to be submissive. Because we're called to be like the Lord, aren't we? And it's very hard. It's very hard to be submissive. And that's why it talks about, when he starts, he says, be, be submissive to your masters, not only to the good and the gentle, but to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience towards God, one endures grief and suffering wrongfully. So he's not saying, look, it's all right, if, you got, if you're working for someone or you know someone they're all nice and gentle, it's all right, isn't it? But no one likes a harsh person, do they? No, you ever had old aunts and uncles that were, were like the Muller? Yeah, 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 you had them. And you've got to be submissive to them. When you're thinking in your mind you, what you like to do, but you think you've got to be submissive because you're brought up that way. No one likes to be submissive to someone that's harsh. Because he says, he says, for what credit is it when you're being for your faults, you take it patiently. But when you do good and suffer, you take it patiently, for this is commendable for God. For, this, for to this you are called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his footsteps. So, this is what he's saying. He's saying, when we suffer for the Lord's sake, God is pleased. God's pleased. The Bible warns us all through the New Testament, all through Matthew, you're going to be persecuted. Blessed are those that are persecuted for righteousness' sake. But it's because we tend to think as Christians, you're never going to have an hard time for the rest of your Christian walk. But that's not true. In fact, when you read in a minute, when next time I preach on a Sunday, in fact, it's, Peter says, it's the will of God for us to suffer. 
It's God's will. And then he uses Jesus again. What was Jesus known as in Mark? The suffering servant. That's what we're called to it. Not everything's going to be good all the time. We get, we get hard times. But when it happens and we're suffering for the Lord's sake, we know we're pleasing the wind. But listen, that's not suffering for our own doing. Because some people say I'm suffering, but it's not for the cause of Christ they're suffering. It's because of himself. If you've had a... If you've, I don't know, if you've gone out and done a job bad and the people are ringing you up threatening you to take you to court and want their money back and things like that that's not, and you say, Lord, I'm being persecuted that's not persecution that's because you didn't do the job right it's, it's suffering or if you've talked to someone and you've gone out and you've properly insulted someone and now they've got their back up I want to kill you that's not suffering for righteousness sake basically what that is is you've opened your mouth and then you said something you shouldn't and you're going to get killed stone dead that's not suffering for the cause of Christ. And then people say, pray for me, I'm getting persecuted. No, that's not persecution. Because when we read about Christ, did he ever do any of them things? He's persecuted for righteous living. I've got no problem suffering for Christ. No problem for it. For my own stupidity, there's the problem. And there's plenty of times I've suffered because of my own stupidity. Listen, have you ever done this? When I first got saved, they call it zeal without knowledge. You ever gone out and you've preached the gospel to someone, turn or burn, gone for it, and written them off? You've done that? I've done that. And now, people got a job to talk to me. That's not because I'm suffering for righteousness' sake. I ain't used my brains when talking to because I don't know what's going on with people's lives. They could be hurting, they could be broken, they could be going through this, going through that. And I've completely gone there and hurt them. And now they've got a job to talk to me. I've actually walked to people's places, and this is the truth, I've walked to people's places, I've gone, uh, Kaka, he's coming, don't say nothing, just start him off. I don't want to be like that. I don't want people to say that to me. Because that's a door shut, isn't it? That's, that's a door that God's got to open for me again. But that's not persecution. That's, my, that's, me, that's not me being sensitive. But, see, what he does here, right? Peter knows, look, because Peter knew in the garden, didn't he? Just before he went into the garden. He said, Lord, if all these will depart from you tonight, not me, Lord. If all these go and leave you, I won't leave you. Peter had pride and Peter wasn't submissive. Because even the Lord said, Peter, you're going to leave me. Not me, Lord. Well, listen, you'll leave me tonight. And Peter's looking back, he's looking back and going, he's showing the rest, this is years later, he's showing the rest of the people coming up in the Lord. Listen, I weren't submissive, and look what happened to me. I denied the Lord. Because, because of pride. And that's all it is. When we won't submit, it's pride. That's basically it. And it's hard, isn't it? Who likes to be submissive? But it's pride. And there ain't no room for pride. What was the first sin? What was the sin in heaven? Satan's sin. Pride. And it got him thrown out of heaven. There ain't no room in the Christian life for pride. Right? If you're like me, or if you're like me, I've, um, I've been told I'm wrong loads of times. 
right? I've said things and been told I'm wrong. Now he said things and been told I'm wrong. But the first thought I've had was, right, you're getting told. Right? Even though, listen, million percent I could be in the right. Mary could be in the right. 100%. Most of the time she is, right? But it's hard, isn't it? Have you been there? Because if you know they're right, it's very hard to go to bring yourself down and admit you're wrong. Especially if you've gone for it for half an hour. And then you've got to go, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Then two words, I'm sorry, I think the hardest two words ever invented. But we've all got to do it. You see, because how are we going to grow in the Lord? Because let's be fair, if we can't do that, what are we doing? What are we doing? Do you say sorry to the Lord every day for the sins you committed? Do you pray every day and say, Lord, forgive me, forgive me of the sins I've committed? We do, don't we? We've got to be able to say that to one another. See, because he says this, he says we've got to take it patiently. That means we've got to just take it, submit and take it. And what he does, he thinks, Peter goes, right, I know it's going to come here, I'm going to send this letter off, and the first thing they're going to say is, no way, Peter, that's not going to happen to me. I'm not going to do that. So who's the best, what example do you think he'd use? To, you know, to stop the arguing, stop them coming back in. He uses Jesus Christ as our example. Because that's it. There's no greater example than what Jesus Christ is. He says this, he says, For this you were called, also suffer for us, leaving us as an example, that you should follow his steps, nor who committed no sin, and nor was any deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile not. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who bore himself our sins on his own body, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to shepherd the overseer of your souls. Now what he's saying here, when he says he's left Jesus as, a, as an example, that word there for example, it means underwriting. And what that means is, it's a personal written copy. Jesus is your own personal written copy, how to live, how to submit. So to every one of us in here, right, this is for every one of us, ain't just for me, just for you. Take this portion of scripture like it's written to you, personally. Because that's why when it says Jesus is left as our example, it's personal to you. So read it. And this is that, because that's what Peter's saying. It's personal. Ain't just a broad thing, like might be for some of us in here and not for others. It's for every single one of us in this place. Jesus as an example, a personal copy. So what does he say? This is how to submit. He said, look, Jesus had to submit. And they're all the things that we're not. He was sinless. He didn't do no wrong. I felt there. He didn't open his mouth. He didn't retaliate. He didn't plan, plan revenge. When they argued with him, he didn't argue with them. He didn't plan revenge. All them things, he was, he was sinless. Didn't open his mouth. He, he went silent, the Bible says. When he took before the accusers, Jesus Christ was silent. He didn't retaliate. There was no revenge. And he, what did he do? He laid it before the Lord. He laid it before the Father. And that's what we got to do. 
Because I'll kid you not, sooner or later, you're going to have problems in your walk with the Lord. Someone's going to persecute you, come against you, other people come against you. It's, it's, it's Christianity. Get used to it. But the one thing we've got to do is put everything before Jesus Christ. Everything's got to be put behind. Because He knows. Because you know, when we come before the Lord in prayer, and we go, Lord, I'm being persecuted. I'm being persecuted this week, Lord. Help me, Lord. Right? The Bible says that He bears with our weaknesses. He knows. Because Jesus, because He Himself was persecuted, because He Himself was beat, He says He was beat more than any other man. Didn't look like a man. For mine and your sin, He died upon the cross and rose again. Whoever believes in Him will not perish and have everlasting life. Right? He done all that. And he knows what it's like. He says, yeah, no, look, this is what happened to me. And guess what he do? Guess what he said? Come to me, all ye burdened and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You're getting persecuted, I'll give you rest. But give it to me. Tell me your problems, and hand it over to me. Because that's what we've got to do. If we don't, if you ever thought about things, and let it turn over in your mind, and in your mind, and in your mind, and in your mind. What happens? You can't sleep, can you? You can't sleep. You ever had that? Papa can't blind how to give things to Jesus' feet. And then he deals with things. I've been reading all this week. I've been reading all this week through Peter. And it's and it's good for it was good for me. Because when I've read through not especially next time I preach, I'm reading for other scriptures. What happens is the Lord speaks to my heart. Because I'll read the Bible says the word of God is a mirror. That's a mirror. We look into it and it shows my, our faults. And believe me, this week I've seen a lot of faults in my own life. But, and the hardest thing is when he uses someone you love, Jesus Christ, then I think, Lord, I've got to change. I've got to change. Because the word, that's what the word is. If I can break this and go away and leave it, that's it. That's what, what am I doing here? What am I doing with Christianity? You see... Jesus that night went willingly to the cross. Peter drew a sword out, didn't he, and attacked. That's the difference. Submission, that's the difference. And he calls him the overseer of our soul. Jesus Christ is the guardian of mine and your souls. He's the guardian. So, how good's that? The Bible calls Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. The guardian. That means he guards the... He, the well, put it this way. If we had bouncers on the door, well, that's a bad thing to use, bouncers, but I can't think of no one else. What is their job? To stop troublemakers. Doesn't it? To stop troublemakers. Jesus is the guardian of your soul. Who, who comes against us? The enemy comes against us, and who's the guardian? Jesus. You won't get no better. He's the guardian of your soul and the overseer. That means Jesus looks out for mine and your souls. That means every day, whatever we're doing, whether it's in the secret life or in front of hundreds of people, Jesus Christ is overseeing mine and your soul. That's because he loves us. That's love, isn't it? That's love. When the Bible says he truly never leaves or forsakes us, that's love. I get comfort from that. Because when, when I'm feeling low, when I get up, because some days you, you feel low, don't you? You get up, you feel low, and you think, oh, 
I'm going to struggle today. But what a comfort it is to know that Jesus is there. Amen. Man, what a comfort that is to know, Lord, Lord, whatever happens today, and I don't even know if I can make it to the end, but you're there. He brings comfort. But then from this, Peter continues to think of, of submission to husbands and wives. Right? But this is talking about wives married to unsaved husbands. This is what it's talking about. But it's the same thing. And what he says is, he says, even if, like, even if some of your, your husbands don't obey the word, lay without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. And what he's saying here is, well, you've got unsaved loved ones in your family, and unsaved, if you've got unsaved husband, unsaved wife, right? it's not going to be by the word what you speak to them, one boy. It's how you live. Because, let's be fair, right? when you're married, it's a lot different when you're in church, isn't it? Be fair. Everyone's happy in church. Um, you know, when you're home, you, you act different, don't you? You, 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 you? You're familiar with one another. But it's, it's how your conduct is. I'm very careful about my conduct in front of my children. All my children to be saved. I'm very, I'm very careful about that. But if you've got someone, or anyone, really, if I go out, anyone, we've got, it's our conduct. Because... You can put it this way. Would you say calling yourself a Christian and going to pub five nights a week is good conduct before the Lord? Go on, what would you say? Well, because what, what would people think if you'd done that? And we'll think it, we'll think, well, you're a Christian. They're not going to be won by your conduct. The conduct of the Christian, that's it's your testimony, it's what we've got. But non-safe people are not going to pick this Bible up and read it. Non-Christians are not going to pick this Bible up and read it. They read me and you. That's who they read. And if we're not living the life that Christ requires, how are we going to win them? What's the point of me knocking on doors and going witnessing, telling people about the Lord, or a work telling people about the Lord, and then act like the devil around them? What good am I doing? I'm causing more harm than good, surely, am I? It's the conduct of me and you. And that's what we've got to get. Because Peter knew it. Peter's conduct won't great after time, but he knew it. And what he's going is, listen, don't make the same mistakes I've made. He said, do, do, do it right. But your conduct, it's all about our conduct, mine and your conduct. How we live. And again, it's the same thing, submit. But it's holy conduct. And look, I know it's talking about wives and husbands. Base anyone, surely the Bible says that we're all to submit to one another, doesn't it? Amen. We've all got to submit. Why? Because I ain't going to see a night and preach, you know, wives are slaves that are husbands. Well, they're not. It's not what the Bible teaches. But we've got to be submissive to one another. Put the other first. And then he goes on, because Peter, and look, most of the Bible, is always concerned about the inward. It says, do not let your adornment merely be outward. Arrange a little hair wearing of gold and putting on fine apparel. But rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of the Lord. For in this manner, in former times, only women who trusted in God who adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughter's your wife you do good and not afraid with terror. 
Right, so Peter's not saying here, don't look nice. He's not saying, don't go out, don't wear no makeup, don't brush your hair, dress in rags. Peter's not saying that. Right? He's saying, look, there's more to life than the outward. It's the inward that matters more. Amen. That's what matters more. Because everyone wants to look nice, don't they? Don't they? I ain't met no one who don't. No, even the ugliest of us think we look alright, don't we? But, listen, he's not saying that, because I know people who use this scripture and, and, make, and say, look, it's a similar way of makeup and things like that. That's what they use, but it's not, it's not Peter's saying. He's using a contrast. He's saying, look, don't just concentrate on that. Yeah, that's nice, but the more precious thing that God is, what's the inward? And it's the same with all of us. Ain't all about looking cushy all the time. It's what goes on in here. Because we could look a million dollars on the outward, but inwardly we could be suffering. It's the inward. It's always about the inward. You see, it's maturity. It's maturity. And that comes and goes. And to be fair, I'd say this, we're all going to get old. It don't matter how much we do ourselves up. We're just all going to get old. And we're just going to look rough. Right, so don't worry about it. I'll put it there. Right? Simple as that. But concentrate on the inward. Ask yourself the question. Are you further on today than when you was when you first got saved? This question for you. Answer yourself. Are you further are you more more now a mature Christian than what you was when you first got saved? And the answer for every one of us should be yes. It should be yes. We might not know how far we got. I was thinking about this today. If you look in the mirror every morning, you get up, you have a wash, look in the mirror, you don't see yourself getting older, do you? You don't see the change of yourself getting older. But if you, if you get a photo of 10 years ago and you hold it up, you see the change. You might not, you might not be able to see how you're maturing day by day. But if you, see how, if you think back how you was 10 years ago, then you see how matured you are. Every one of us should be matured. Or maturing. Because what Peter uses here, he says, For in this manner former times, the only women adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. You see, he uses women of the Old Testament, Sarah, I think Sarah was nine years old when she... When she met, when she was Abraham, and she had um, hundred, right? And this is how she was. This is what God considers holy women. Be submissive to your husbands. Now, that don't mean you're a doormat to be walked away. But that's not what the Bible teaches. But if the marriage has got to work right, and we come to the husbands bit in a minute, if the marriage has got to work right, this is how God's put it. Simple as that. Because who created marriage? God created marriage. God created the workings of marriage. But if we can't submit to that, then there'll be problems in the home. There'll be problems in the home. You see, because he says the former women in the Old Testament, then ones that in the Old Testament, what he uses, they adorn themselves inwardly. There's called holy because of the inward. And he uses it again, the inward person. Right, that's what a godly woman is. A godly man's the same, isn't he? It's the inward. Because whatever's going on the inside always comes out the mouth. 
you can always tell if someone's spending time with God or not within five minutes because if I ain't talking about the Lord and they're just coming out of utter rubbish you think I know where you've been spending your time because when you more, the more we spend time with God the more earlier we become it's simple right and then he goes right he's talked about that he's talked about women to be submissive to your husbands you want a good marriage be submissive to your husbands but then he says then he says finally no sorry uh, seven he says husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding giving honour to the wife as to the weaker vessel but as being heirs together in the grace of life that your prayers not be, be ended so what's he saying he's saying to the wife be submissive and he says to the husband honour her so what's he saying now wife submit husbands you lift her up now what, what a change that is you, can you see that once the wife's got to submit but what the husband does he honours her lifts her up you understand he values his value value your wife that's what he's saying while she's priceless that's how you've got to value her and you know if them two things are working the marriage will run alright but you know when one's not submitting and the husband's not doing his part honouring his wife there will always be problems always because Ephesians 5 says it says wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her so again it's a, we, that, there's a major part on the husband's thing because we got to love our wives as Christ loved the church lay down your life basically that's what it means you see remember this right because I know like it says the weaker vessel it says the woman is the weaker vessel there but it says this it says but being joint heirs together in eternity it says men and women are created equally in the eyes of God all of us are created equally in marriage God's just put his way of it working but listen some women might be here today thinking no way am I submitting to him you might be sitting there thinking that you might, I don't know Mary might be thinking it to me right but it ain't about, it's about what God wants isn't it it's about what God wants and what matters in our life is what Jesus thinks but this is, this is what this last verse this is what spoke to me the most because it says right at the end about the husbands he says that your prayers may not be hindered so what he's saying is this because you husbands might think Kushti the wife's got to submit to me and do what I tell her but God says we've got to honour our wives and value them because if not he says the husband's prayers will be hindered will be stopped won't get to God's ears ain't that frightening ain't that for the husband I've read that because I've, I've read this loads of times read Peter loads of times but it's the first time I've seen that verse and I read it and I thought oh Lord I thought if, if I'm not doing my part you're not going to even hear what I say and just just that in itself to think that God won't even hear what, when I speak and talk to him God's not even going to hear gonna, they're just going to be stopped going to block them I can't, in my mind I thought I can't cope with that I can't cope with God not hearing, hearing me talk 
what about if I'm praying and going through something and I'm not doing my part in the home and God's blocked me from speaking? Ain't that frightening for the husband? I might be the only one that thinks that. Usually I might be perfect. But it's frightening. That's why we always say Christianity starts at home. Starts at home. The church is an offshoot. When we go to church as a family, that's secondary to my Christianity at home. Christianity starts in every one of your homes. Because that's where Satan attacks. That's where the Lord does his work. And that's where the real you is. Is at home. So make sure. You don't want your prayers to be hindered. You want your marriages to run, run right and go right? Do what the Bible says. Be submissive. Honour one another. Value one another. But listen. If we put Jesus Christ at the centre of our own, of our work life, and do what his word says, we won't. It'll be alright. But if we don't, don't, don't think, you know, don't be shocked if God does, if something don't go right for you. But listen, if you don't know the Lord in this place tonight, I'll say this to you. Now we've talked there about no deceit was found in his mouth. That the Bible says that he went willingly to the cross. They, he was brought before his accusers. They held insults at him. They beat him that he didn't even look like a man. Why? Because he, for me and you, for our sins, the Bible says that Jesus Christ come to die for our sins. And he says he shed his blood. He was nailed to a cross. And three days, he was put in a tomb and three days later Jesus Christ rose from death unto life for mine and your sin. And sin is wrongdoing. That means if you lie you're a sinner. If you've stolen something, hatred in your heart. If you've bad thoughts, things that God wouldn't do, even in your secret life, God sees all. And the Bible says if you repent, that means be willing to turn from your sin and ask for forgiveness of your sins and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Saviour. You'll be born again. And when you pass from this life into the next, you'll be going to heaven. And it's a free gift. God doesn't require any money from you. He doesn't require you to join a club. He just wants you. And you're just a prayer away. So don't leave this place without knowing Jesus Christ. Let's pray.